happened to the NFL? Welcome to the NFL, rookie. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rookie Rundown here on the DWZ Network. As always, guys and girls, I am Dallas and I am your host here on the Rookie Rundown. You can find me on Twitter at Salad Galore. That is Salad with two L's, my name backwards, Galore. Um, guys, we're in the thick of it. It's it's really starting to you know hit. And we're only a couple of weeks now away from the Senior Bowl. Um, rookie content is going to really start expanding here over the next couple of weeks on all platforms that you intake your dynasty and or regular fantasy football content during the offseason. Um, the playoffs are still in the thick of it of the actual NFL season. There's a lot that can still shake up on that end when it comes to seeding of the remaining eight teams that are there. That can drastically change their overall prospect, uh, prospect landing spots, realistic um, player fits for said landing spots. So until the actual NFL season is done and it gets a little bit closer to the draft time, I will be holding off when it comes to me doing anything regarding to landing spots, fits, prospects, and team fits going into this offseason prior to the NFL draft. Um, today's episode is going to be focusing on my initial top 10 rankings of every position from quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end in this 2022 class. All the film is in after the championship game of last week, and now I can just give you my honest opinions. I have watched my minimum is basically five games on all of these guys that I'm going to talk to you about. It is going to be my ranks based off of those five games and my understanding of their overall statistics, um, the pros, cons on tape, what I saw, as well as the overall news that's kind of coming out from uh, not draft media, but from actual NFL execs when polled, um, some of the scouts that I follow when it comes to the prospects and who they are actually interested in and who the NFL will be interested in. So without further ado, like I said, we're going to be holding off on the actual team fits. Um, I would be looking forward to basically the next couple of weeks when it comes to me covering the Senior Bowl because that is in the works. I will be doing a preview and a post-reaction show as well when it comes to all the seniors that will be declaring, that will be showcasing their talents during Senior Bowl week in Mobile, as well as during the game on that Saturday. Um, but we'll just go ahead and dive in tonight, guys. and. We'll go into everyone's favorite position for Superflex, the quarterbacks. Um, this class is not very sexy. Um, I've been over it quite a few times, and I'm going to try to work at a decently quick pace, so I'll try not to be as long-winded with some of my analysis. Um, but I tell you guys now, if you have any questions, you want to know a little bit more about my prospects and a little bit more about why I am ranking them the way that I'm ranking them, just reach out to me. Um, if you're in the Patreon, that's a great platform too. Um, you'll have access to my DMs in order to slide in there. You can always hit me up on Twitter on any of my posts as well as on my DMs. But this is just going to be a quick hitter episode going over my rankings, and then I'm going to actually give you my <clears throat> not foolproof comp of each of these players, but I'm going to actually give you the comparisons that I have with what I see on tape. Um, and the players that they remind me of. Not going to be perfect fits, obviously, but I'll explain why I have the comps that I have. So number one for me, it hasn't changed. 
um, pretty much at all for a couple of these positions when it comes to my overall number one position at the position that I had at the midway point of the college season. And my first overall is Matt Corral out of Ole Miss. Um, I talked about it a little bit prior on some of the other podcasts, but for me, he is Marcus Mariota without the hesitation on the plays developing. Um, He sees it and he goes, or he sees it, uh, sorry, he either sees it and he throws the ball to it, or he doesn't see it and he goes and uses his athletic ability. Um, He is the best total package that's out there, and the only thing that truly doomed Marcus Mariota from being good was his hesitancy to take the deep shot, which is something that Matt Corral does not have at all. The boy slings it and he's got a great arm. So he's number one. Number two for me, um, he didn't have a great game in his bowl game, but for me, Desmond Ritter is still number two for me. His game tape, although inconsistent is still some of the best tape that you'll see from a quarterback over the last couple of years. Um, I said that basically he's a Teddy Bridgewater clone, which is pretty spot on. Teddy's pretty inconsistent on a regular basis, but I have confidence that Desmond Ritter can be better than Teddy if he actually starts focusing because he's a little bit better of a prospect in my eyes coming out than a guy like Teddy even was. Number three for me is Kenny Pickett out of Pitt. He is probably a lot of people's favorite. He's a big-bodied guy. Um, Physically, his makeup is pretty similar to a guy like an Andrew Luck or that bigger-bodied type of guy like a Carson Wentz. Um, And Carson Wentz, honestly, isn't that bad of a comp for him. He's got the physical nature. He's got a gunslinger mentality, and he likes to run, and he's not afraid to put his body on the line. But as you saw in his bowl game, it took a hit on his body, and uh, he nicked himself up. I think Carson Wentz is a pretty sound fit for Kenny Pickett. I think Kenny Pickett has some accuracy issues in the same vein that Carson Wentz did, and it's going to take a little bit of tooling and the right system that can allow him to use those downfield throws, which is not always what you're going to get with a lot of the systems we're seeing. It's a lot of dinking and ducking for a lot of these offenses in the NFL now. So Kenny Pickett is kind of a scheme fit for me. Um, He starts the downward slope of a lot of guys where I'm a little bit concerned. Um, Number four, I'm going to rock the boat a little bit, and I'm going to go with Caleb Ellerby out of Western Michigan. The next three players, including Caleb, are going to be three athletic phenoms that all fit a different wheelhouse of athleticism for me. Caleb has the biggest upside due to his just innate accuracy out of these three that I'm going to talk about, and they are the ones that I consider the prime athletes in the class. Um, He's basically a small school to a Tungo Vailoa. Even when he doesn't have a great pocket and when there is pressure, he pretty much always puts the ball where it's supposed to be. He may not take a lot of the deep shots that you would want him to, but he is very, very accurate. And his mobility is extremely underrated. He's extremely, extremely quick twitch when it comes to his athleticism. And when it actually comes to escaping the pocket, he's quite good. He's a little bit stockier. He's got the build. And when you see him play, he kind of does look like Tua did at Alabama. And even what we've seen in his early career with the Miami Dolphins. Number five for me is Malik Willis out of Liberty. He's a small school Lamar. It's been the comp and it will stay the comp, but his accuracy woes are probably a little bit worse than what Lamar had coming out. Um, And also his athleticism still isn't even on the same level as Lamar. So there's a lot of hype about people saying basically he's super accurate and you love him outside the pocket, but he has a lot of inconsistencies to his game when you actually watch all of it. Yes, I'll give it to him. His highlights are very, very high, but his lowlights are very, very low. And that's something that's concerning when he's not quite the athlete like a guy like Lamar. We're all basically fanboying, attempting to find the next Lamar. And I think we're going to be grasping at straws going for a guy like Malik Willis. 
Number six for me is DTR out of UCLA. So he's another athletic phenom, but he has a freaking cannon, and he is not afraid to take the deep shot, unlike the first two before him. He has a very, very good arm, and he showcased extreme volatility in a similar vein to where I think he's very similar to a guy like Jameis Winston, just without the pedigree. He's very, very large. He's got a very, very good arm, and he is pretty accurate deep with set arm, but his decision-making is suspect. He will throw the 50-50 ball or even the 80-20 ball towards the defense quite more often than you would like to see, and it's something that's a little bit concerning from the quarterback, so that's why he's out of my, outside of my top five. Uh, number seven for me is Sam Howell out of UNC. Um, I said it before. I think he's Blake Bortles. Um, he's got the athletic upside. He's got quite a bit um, of a good rushing motor, but he relied on it quite a bit too much this season. So it's something you have to watch out for. His accuracy went downhill um, unless he fi- basically falls in the perfect situation with a lot of weapons around him in a place like Pittsburgh, potentially, where there is wide receivers galore, a good running game, and a okay offensive line. Um, I think he's in trouble. Number eight for me is Carson Strong out of Nevada. He's basically Jay Cutler. He's got a huge arm, but he's a statue in the pocket. He doesn't escape at all, and it's very concerning. That type of quarterback, I know it's the trope, and everyone likes to say it year in, year out, but it continues to be correct. We saw what happened to Big Ben now that he can't run. We saw what happened to Matt Ryan because he can't run. We saw even what happens to a guy like Tom Brady when the pass rush can get there before he throws it, who's not mobile. They just kind of crumble in certain situations. Carson Strong concerns me. He has a hell of an arm and a hell of an arm talent, but in today's NFL, I think he's going to struggle mightily. Number nine for me is Bailey Zappi out of Western Kentucky. Um, I see him a lot like a guy like Trevor Simeon. He's just a vanilla quarterback. He's a good college quarterback who knows his system extremely, extremely well, but is extremely inconsistent, doesn't wow you with any of his traits, and realistically probably won't take the reins anywhere. Um, He's kind of like Gardner Minshew without the moxie as well. So that's what I would classify as like a Trevor Trevor Simeon, a backup spot filler type of guy. And number 10, um, there's some quarterbacks that didn't declare that I would have had in this spot and maybe even a little bit higher, um, but ended up going back. Um, I.e. a guy from Duke went back that I like quite a bit. His name's Will. Um, So look out for him next year. But number 10 for me is Sam Hartman out of Wake Forest. Um, He's the most volatile out of all of them. He had probably the best beginning to the season out of any quarterback in FBS and NCAA football, Um, but he had one of the worst endings I've seen in quite a while. Um, He's like Nathan Peterman. He throws more interceptions than I've seen a quarterback throw in quite a long time. Um, So again, these later guys, uh, the Strong, the Zappy, the Hartman, I'm probably straying away from them on my end, but these are guys that in Superflex you probably will want to pick up because the talent is there in certain aspects. Um, It's just putting the pieces together, so it might be a reclamation in a couple years or maybe even a surprise like a guy like Davis Mills, even though I liked Davis Mills this last year, um, that you might get at the quarterback position. So going into the running back position, um, nothing's changed with my top three. I actually have the same three as my midseason. I have Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M at number one, Kenneth Walker out of Michigan State as number two, and Brees Hall from Iowa State as number three. Um, My comp for Isaiah Spiller is basically Aaron Jones. He does everything well and nothing poorly. He's not the quickest. He's not the biggest. He's not the strongest. He's not the fastest. It doesn't matter. He just gets the job done, and he does it very well when he's asked to do the work. His 2021 film underwhelmed a lot of people, but if you look at his entire career and his 2020 tape, it's something that pops off the screen. He's just extremely well-rounded and is the biggest... Um, 
probably the safest out of all of them. Number two for me is the biggest boom guy that you can get, and that's Kenneth Walker. Like I said, he's like Melvin Gordon. Um, he's just got gaudy stats, um, gaudy production in his final year, and it's something that it's hard to ignore. He showed quite a quite a few good chops basically out there. The only thing that concerns me is his past protection. Um, he wasn't asked to do it a lot, so we didn't really see it a lot. Um, it's something that's teachable, but it's kind of an unknown at this current state. And number three for me, Brees Hall. I see him as like a Josh Jacobs. He's going to be kind of underwhelming number-wise. He's going to be pretty much a steady Eddie, but I don't see a lot of large boom games from him. Um, a guy in the same vein as a guy from that same draft class as Josh Jacobs, a guy like David Montgomery. Um, it's the speed for me with Brees Hall that concerns me. He doesn't look fast and he doesn't really pull away from anyone. I think that's going to catch up to him. So if he does what like a guy like David Montgomery did and focus on nothing but speed going forward, I think it could do quite a bit for his overall outlook. Number four is the highest riser for me out of any of them. Um, it's not really a super high riser because I explained that pretty much everyone from four through eight for me was pretty interchangeable. And after watching more tape, I switched all of them around. Um, number four is Zach Charbonnet at UCLA. Um, he's Chris Carson. Uh, it's a lot like Javante Williams was last year, just not quite as <sighs> not, not quite as many big pop plays. Um, his long speed is a little bit more questionable compared to a guy like Javante Williams, but with Zach Charbonnet, um, you get that just physical angry runner where it's don't touch me is basically what he says all the time. Um, he will not go down on first contact and it's just a very fun watch for a player. He has great vision as well, and he has enough speed to get by. So I really do like Zach Charbonnet. Like I said, he popped up. Number five for me is Jerion Ely at Ole Miss. Um, this one I actually didn't even have ranked until he declared. Um, I was waiting for that exact moment for him to declare because he is an amazing baseball player at Ole Miss. He was a dual sport athlete all throughout college. And realistically, he's probably going to be a top 15 or so pick in the MLB draft, even though he most likely will not play in the MLB. So if he gets good draft capital, um, he reminds me so much of Jamal Charles, guys. He is so freaking athletic. He just needs to work on getting the workload and a true NFL commitment from a team as well as for from himself, basically, as what you see with a lot of these dual sport athlete guys. I just want him to say NFL is my future because declaring for the draft is one thing, but actually committing that you are going to be playing in the NFL regardless of where you're drafted is another. Um, number six for me is Jerome Ford out of Cincinnati. He was probably the biggest disappointment out of the bowl games. Um, specifically, I would say the bowl game uh, – finale that he went up against Alabama, but um, up until that point, he looked very, very good. He's got a lot of speed and a lot of wiggle to his game. He reminds me a lot of Naheem Hines when it comes to raw athleticism and his vision. Um, he doesn't have the pop that you get from a lot of larger backs or stronger backs being only at about 200 pounds. Sorry, he's about 210 pounds, um, but that is pretty much what you get from Naheen Hines. He's a great runner. He just needs to be a compliment and actually get the workload in a similar vein in order for him to be fantasy relevant for you. Number seven for me is a guy out of Notre Dame named Kyron Williams. Um, I love his tape. Um, it's just his size is a little bit concerning. He started to wane a little bit and get a little bit run down injury bug wise towards the end of the season with Notre Dame, but he does remind me quite a bit of James White, um, just from a size and skill set um, 
comparison. I like him a lot, and I'm excited to see where he lands. There's a couple of mocks that said a place like Arizona might be a good fit for him, which I would agree with. Um, but he's got to kind of be an accomplishment if he does in this PPR mindset and he gets all that third down work. Um, he's a great pass blocker, the best one in the class, and I'm excited to see what he can do at the next level. Number eight for me is Mr. Sincere Mc- I cannot talk sincere McCormick out of UTSA. Um, He's Devin Singletary for me. Small school guy, extreme, extreme production, pretty athletic, not like a game breaker and a little bit undersized with his height, but he's a bowling ball. He breaks contact and he has enough speed to break away long runs. Um, He just pretty much always chisels away, gets consistent yardage and got the workload to prove that he can do it in the next level. In his big competition games against the SEC, he did very, very well and admirable against much better defenses than his overall offense. So I'm excited to see where he lands lands. Number nine for me is Brian Robinson out of Alabama. Um, Another Alabama comp for him is Damian Harrison. They have the same style. There's nothing flashy about their game. There's a true grinder workhorse. You've seen what that can do with a good offensive line, i.e. what we saw in the semifinal game and towards the end of the championship game for Alabama. Um, He just needs to find a system that's going to rely on him. If he goes anywhere with an open running back room, like a place like Atlanta, a place like Houston, a place like Miami, he's going to skyrocket up boards justifiably as a guy like Damian Harris, who is falling into a role where he'll get 20 touches and he'll probably get you 100 yards every single time. And he's definitely, definitely, definitely going to get that goal line work. The 10th and final spot for me is Mr. James Cook out of Georgia. Um, He reminds me quite a bit of another Alabama running back from a couple of years ago, and that is Mr. Kenyon Drake of the Arizona Cardinals, formerly, and the Raiders, formerly, after this offseason. He has a lot of explosiveness. He is a great, great, great punt and kick returner, and he's got long speed. He's a great catcher, but he doesn't have the power or pop up the middle to be a true running back, so that is something that's going to be a little bit concerning. He's about 190 pounds, so realistically not that much heavier than a guy like Kyron Williams is, which should concern you a little bit. He's getting a lot of hype based off of the production he put up in the receiving game over the last couple weeks of the season, and those highlight American all shown on national television games for Georgia, um, but I don't see him as a true workhorse. I see he could have those spot seasons like Kenyon Drake did, filling in in the big pop games, but I don't love him quite as much as a lot of the fantasy community does. When it comes to the wide receiver position, nothing's changed for with my top two as well. I have Mr. Traylon Burks out of Arkansas as number one. He's, again, guys, the true alpha monster of the class. I see him quite a bit play style-wise and physicality-wise, like a guy like A.J. Green. He's a lot smoother than you would anticipate for a guy that big. He got used pretty much all over the perimeter and in the slot, and he has great hands and great ball skills. Um, if he lands in a good spot or a bad spot, it doesn't matter. He's pretty much spot spot independent. It doesn't really matter. So I really like Traylon Burks. That's why he stays at number one. Number two for me, uh, Chris Olave at Ohio State. This one's the most controversial pick that I always have on my wide receiver rankings, and I don't care. He's a Calvin Ridley clone. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. His route running is immaculate. He's deceptively, deceptively fast. He's going to be running in that high four threes, mark my words. And the touchdown production is there. And he played in the slot. And he played outside. And he didn't drop the ball pretty much at all over his first three years. He had a couple this year, but pretty much no drops during his career. I love me some Chris Olave. And God help me, he goes to either the Chiefs or the Bears next year. I will be getting a jersey. 
Um, number three for me is Mr. Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. Um, he hopped a couple of guys with injury concerns and injuries that came late in the season. Um, as you know, he's an athletic freak, but he doesn't have the polish in my eyes, which is a little bit concerning. He kind of has the shades of Jalen Rager where he wasn't asked to do a ton inside and outside, but realistically he could have that ceiling of an OBJ based off of his ability to just make highlight circus reel catches and get open in space. He's the true guy with number four, Jamison Williams, on the list, just a little bit of a foreshadowing, um, that can take a slant to the house very easily without really even questioning it. Number four, as I said, is Jamison Williams. That ACL injury is extremely concerning for me. Um, he's an athletic freak with a track record of only one year. He couldn't break out in Ohio State. I know that the receiving class was good, but if he had this much talent, I'm still concerned that he wasn't able to get on the field. Um, and then he's got this injury that he's coming in with. Um, with me, I see his play style as quite a bit. Um, he could go in to a team and basically be a Will Fuller with Deshaun Watson. If he's targeted heavily and used in a similar vein, that would be my comp for him. And I realistically think he could be extremely productive with it um, because he doesn't have that long-term injury history like a guy like Will Fuller, but coming in with a serious knee injury that he now has, it's something that you have to keep your eyes on. There is the hesitancy, and that's why he dropped down to number four. This is probably still lower than some people have, but he's going to be a discount in a lot of fantasy drafts and in the actual NFL draft. Number five for me is Mr. George Pickens out of the University of Georgia. Um, his catch radius, sure-handedness, and his ability to be open fluidly at that size is something that is fun to watch um what is not fun to watch is him being always hurt he's been hurt every year basically he had the serious injury at the beginning of this last season during spring training hasn't looked the same since coming back from it and his overall stats production he's not an analytics darling at all um it's been a little bit sketchy he's a tape darling though if he actually watches game he looks a lot like adam thielen the way that they play um, all the traits are there. If you just watch them run side by side, they look very similar in the way that they branch out the roots, the way that they can make circus catches look easy, and how they're just kind of always there for the quarterback, and they pretty much are always the favorite target if they're on the field. Um, another guy like that that I like, um, he's a smooth operator with his routes for being as big as he is. He does remind me quite a bit of T. Higgins coming out when it comes to his fluidity in his routes, which is something that I like. I'm just more concerned about the injury um, and the time it will take for him to pop. Um, if you're able to take him late in the first, which I think realistically you can, if not the second in Superflex, um, he's your guy. Number six for me is John Mechie, another guy dealing with an injury history. He's a physical slot with plus traits all around in my eyes, and he's a blocking fiend. He's probably the best blocking wide receiver in the class. And that reminds me quite a bit of Juju Smith-Schuster. All of those qualities are what we saw in Juju. He's not flashy. He's not super amazing. It's kind of similar to a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown as well. The stockier slot wide receivers, but they are physical. He will make a team. He will immediately be a contributor on the team as long as he's healthy. And you could see a pop season like a guy from Juju with John Mechie pretty easily as long as his health reports and his track back onto the field are clean. Number seven for me is a guy named David Bell out of Purdue. All around, he's a pretty solid wide receiver. He's a little bit undersized, and he doesn't have the plus blocking skills that a guy like Juju has, like a guy like John Mechie has in my eyes. But he does remind me kind of like Tyler Boyd. He's just a solid all-around wide receiver. He's good. He'll overperform 
expectations, I think, but I don't think he's going to be winning you any fantasy games. Um, he's solid. He's got a little bit of a better pedigree and track record statistically than some of the guys that are left on this list. That is why I have him ranked higher, but I low-key kind of like the three guys that I have ranked behind him a little bit more. Um, I just don't want to be a little bit too hot takey, and so I'm going to go a little chalk with uh, my understanding of the rankings, where he's going to go, and realistically, some of the other guys that I really like their tape are small school guys, and that's why they are where they are. The last big school guy for me is Drake London at eight. This is probably the biggest shocker for a lot of people. Um, I think he's a lot slower than people are going to give him credit for. They, they kind of overhype his speed a little bit. Um, he's Mike Williams, but slower is what I basically see. His size is going to pay his way, and his ability to make contested catches is going to pay his way. But I always get a little bit concerned when it comes to the big towering wide receivers that are unable to actually separate. And I think that may be the case with a guy like Drake London. Um, plus the injury, plus coming back from a pretty, you know, less than stellar situation that he left the season with. Um, I just need to wait and see with Drake London. Number nine for me is Khalil Shakir out of Boise State. Um, he's a yak monster. He is a lot of fun to watch, and he was probably the most fun I had watching tape this season. Um this offseason so far out of any of the positions. He's just a really fun watch for me. He's like Golden Tate is how I have him compared to. And uh, it's just fun to watch him. I think he's going to be a steal, um, kind of like a uh, KJ Osborne for the Minnesota Vikings. He's just a lot of fun. I think he's going to get open a lot. And when he gets the ball in his hands, he's basically like a little joystick running back, and it's fun to watch him. Number 10 for me is Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. Um, so, you know, Western Michigan <laughs> had uh, one of my – I don't want to say my highest quarterback ranking, but uh, Caleb Ellerby had to throw to someone, and he always threw to Sky Moore. Um, I compare him kind of between two Oklahoma wide receivers. He's like Sterling Shepard play style, and he's pretty, he's just always open. It's a knack for getting open. He's a very reliable slot wide receiver in the next level is what I see but he's undersized kind of like D.D. Westbrook was. And so he doesn't have the speed that D.D. has, which might be a little bit concerning. Um, Cole Beasley might be another pretty good comp for him. He could be extremely reliable at the next level. It's just kind of going to depend if he starts to get that uh, little click action happening. Um, Braxton Berrios might not be a bad comp for him as well. They have a very similar uh, you know, profile athletically, I think, in my eyes. So um, just a guy to pay attention to if he has a – Basically a walk-on landing spot into a team that needs a slot wide receiver, you should be picking him up in pretty much every league. And then the last position, as always, is the tight end. Um, number one hasn't changed. Number two hasn't changed. Number three hasn't changed. Number four hasn't changed. Number five hasn't changed for me. They're all the exact same. Um, I'm just adding to the list um, just because those were pretty much the only guys that I had watched tape on thus far. But that has changed. I have two more guys that I actually like in this class quite a bit. Um, the first one, Trey McBride's number one out of Colorado State. I told you before, I realistically could see him coming in as Mark Andrews. Um, he is athletically gifted. He is a monster when it comes to contested catches, and it is a his ball mentality, which you love to see from a tight end. You love the athleticism. You love the production. He led Colorado State in targets, receptions, yardage. He broke so many records this last year. I love Trey McBride. 
Number two is Jalen Widemeyer at Texas A&M. He's an athletic specimen that's reminiscent of a guy like Evan Ingram, but the drops are there. The lack of overall use is there. And if he doesn't bulk up a little bit and become a little bit of a better blocker, I'm going to be pretty concerned for it. Number three is Charlie Kohler out of Iowa State. Um, my con for him, like I said last time, is like Henry, uh, Hunter Henry. He does what he's supposed to every damn time, and you just got to love him for it. He's a monster of a blocker, very, very good all around. Um, it's just going to be because he's slightly athletically limited, uh, limited, sorry, not eliminated, uh, it's going to be touchdown dependent most likely for him. So he's probably just going to end up being another middle tier type of tight end in the NFL, but he could realistically have a landing spot in a couple of seasons with high touchdown totals as a true target guy in an offense at the tight end position. Number four for me is Jeremy Ruckert. Um, I expected him to get a lot more work this year, even with the offense opening up with a new quarterback. That didn't happen, and because of that, I see him as an underutilized talent, very similar to O.J. Howard. Um, I'm not going to overhype a guy just based off of his potential ability because as you know my biggest thing is looking at production if you haven't produced pretty much at all in college I'm very suspect of your likelihood of producing at the next level um, that's just my tried and true analysis and it's helped me out and helped me stray away from uh, quite a few guys at the next level that uh, some people liked quite a bit more than I did um, going at number five is Jaleel Billingsley same as last time out of Alabama he's a blocking monster but Target-wise, doesn't get a lot of work. He is okay and has shown that he's a pretty good with the ball in his hands, but for some reason continues to not get work even when they need targets. Um, for me, Billingsley is a lot like Adam Troutman. Uh, he's a guy we're probably going to be wishing is going to be getting these targets because his snap shares are going to be so high, but he's going to continue to be that blocking tight end rather than a move tight end. Number six for me is Cole Turner out of Nevada. Um, he reminds me a lot of Tyler Higby. Um, he plays pretty aggressive at the quarter, uh, not the quarterback, at the tight end position. Um, Jesper Horstead is another guy just because of the hair and the athletic profile that they have that is pretty similar. He's a twitchy athlete for being about 6'6", 250. And I like his tape. He had a very successful season this year at Nevada. Um, that's another fun tape watch for you guys, for anyone who has access to tape, if you're a Dynasty nerds. Um, Nerd Herd member. That's my one plug for another membership I'll give you on here. That's what I use to watch tape because it's the best and easily accessible tape out there. Um, that would be my recommendation for all of these players if you're looking for tape to actually watch them with. But him, along with uh, Khalil Shakir, are probably my two favorite watches this season. So that would be my recommendation for you guys. Um, number seven is Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina. Um, a guy last year that he reminds me a lot of is Brevin Jordan. Uh, they're athletic freaks. They have some slight drop issues, and their yak is a little bit questionable when it comes to in-space ability to dodge tackles. But if he gets the ball in open space, he's athletically gifted basically par none compared to anyone else in the class, and he'll pretty much break those long breakaway touchdowns like nobody's business if he has pretty much like two or three yards of separation. Number eight for me is Cade Otten out of Washington. Uh, he's extremely underwhelming. And for me, uh, <laughs> he reminds me a lot of Jace Sternberger out of uh, the Packers, the Packers uh, tight end that was supposed to break out. Um, I feel like he's a guy that people may be jumping towards just based off of his landing spot and due to his <sighs> I don't know, fluffed up college stats a little bit. But I really wouldn't be going after a guy like Cade Otten. Number nine for me is Kamor Gamble out of Florida. Uh, he's an athletic freak, 
but he has no polish whatsoever. So he reminds me a lot of Donald Parham. Um, a lot of guys, once again, these last three are people you're going to be chasing their upside probably for a couple of years and then end up dropping realistically. Um, but I think there are about six or seven guys that I do like in this class. And the last and final player out of my top 10 at all positions is Grant Calcaterra out of SMU. Um, he's Trey Burton is how I would describe him. Extremely, extremely good athlete. Um, very good move guy, but he's a tweener. He's too big to be a wide receiver. He's too small to be a tight end. And he's probably going to be with that weird fullback hybrid that never pops up in the NFL. That's it, guys. That's my top 10 at each position. Um, there's quite a few guys at the running back and the wide receiver position that I didn't get a chance to talk to that I did want to. Um, there's quite a few guys that could sneak into this depending on landing spots, but um, this wide receiver class is very deep. I left quite a few big names, including Jahan Dotson and Wandell Robinson off the list that are people are probably going to blast me for in the comments and or in my DMs. But uh, the class is deep, guys. I have a couple of higher and strong takes on some guys that you may not have heard of. I recommend if you have questions about them or you're like, who the heck is that? Why does he have them this high? You take a look for yourself, watch their game tape, and you'll understand why I like them as much as I do. It's been a fun episode. It was a quick hitter, 30 minutes in and out with 40 prospects. Um, it's a pleasure as always, guys. And like I said, the next two weeks are going to be devoted to the Senior Bowl. So get ready to hear some senior hot takes before the game and some senior analysis after the game. Until next week, as always, I'm Dallas. Peace out. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. a game yesterday and if we win one today that's two in a row we win one tomorrow that's called a winning streak